Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Osband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Yoma, daf bet. We've got a new Masachet in front of us. It's kind of a return to the old routine in that this is Talmud Bavli, and it's much more familiar to us. It's familiar to us because of the vocabulary, and it's familiar to us because of the structure and the kind of, I don't know, the nature of a Mishnah and the way the Gemara works with it. That doesn't mean everything here is going to be familiar. Uh, we're embarking on a discussion of Yom HaGippurim, which in modern parlance is Yom Kippur, but the Yom Kippur that we experience only shows up really in the eighth parak, or it only becomes a focus in the eighth parak. And every, in the, everything else, meaning the first seven, I would say, are really about what happens in the Beit HaMikdash on, well, leading up to the day of Yom Kippur, Yom HaGippurim, and and everything that is happening in the Beit HaMikdash in preparation for that. So, as I said to Yardena one day when we were preparing, there's a whole lot of temple in the Gemara. And this is one of those Masechtot that really focuses on, you know, very much on, it's literally called the Avodah, the Avodah in the Beit HaMikdash, the service. And this is the service. It is the worship of the holiest day of the year. It is the holiest worship. It involves the Kodesh Kodashim, the Holy of Holies that the high priest goes into just the once of the whole year. So there's a there's a great deal of sanctity that we lead up to. We don't begin there, right? We begin in preparation for that day. The Masachet goes through basically the work of preparation for this day. Um, as you'll recall from Masachet Pesachim, we begin at the beginning prior to actually offering the Korban Pesach, right? There's We begin with the 14th before we ever even get to the actual Pesach. Here too, we're going to begin actually a week in advance, but we're going to hang on for that just for a moment. I want to note that when we talk about Yom Kippur in the Gemara, in the Jewish liturgy, liturgy and literature, we talk about it as a day, right? This is a day that is, it's not just a day of worship, right? There's a lot of animal sacrifice, yes, but the whole idea of it is that we're talking about a sanctity, holiness of the day, right? of the place, because that's where it's happening in the Beit HaMikdash, in several specific locations in the Beit HaMikdash. And of course, also the sanctity of this very specific person, the Kohen Gadol, who goes to do this Avodah. And with that, we encounter, um, I would say, it's not just me who would say this, of course, right? There's the day is one of atonement, that's Kippurim, right? That there's atonement for sin. And with that comes a, a rejuvenation and a purity that, um, that comes from erasing all that sin, right? The idea that we can kind of start afresh um, is exactly the experience. I think we even have it nowadays in our experience of Yom Kippur as the day ends, as the new year begins, you know, following. Um, but so this purification and atonement are the underpinnings of the day, even though a whole lot of what we're going to see straight up is preparation for Karbanot. Um, Yardana, before we move on to the parak itself, do you have any other thing ideas about the masachet as a whole? I mean, I think we're just like gonna, it's going to be a lot of korban and a, a lot of avoda, which I think is going to be great. You know, Sachin really focused on sort of one korban, but it was from the people's point of view of the experience of the avoda. I mean, yes, there was a lot of stuff about Kohanim, but I think what will be interesting here is this will sort of be the flip of that experience. It's really the experience of the Kohanim. Um, and that's a lot of what, uh, you know, Yoma's going to talk about. And so I, I think just think about it in terms of that, you know, that one was the Avoda 
as experienced by the people. And I think this is Avoda as experienced by the Kohanim. Lovely. I think also, um, I saw somewhere that said Yoma, you know, by right should be in Kodshim, right? Meaning and in the Seder of, we have it here in Moed, we have it in the discussion of the holidays from the Mishnaic, from the Mishnaic perspective. But theoretically, anyway, it belongs in Kudjim in terms of this focus on the on the Korban, um, as far as that goes. Now, Perak Aleph, as I said, Perak Aleph begins, oh, one more thing I wanted to say, I'm sorry. We are, this week, right, this week is, and the Torah reading is the Torah reading of Tezri Mitzorah, but next week's Torah reading is Achrei Mot Kedoshim. And Achrei Mot is the biblical, you know, accounting, basically, of the of the um, Avoda, of the temple Avoda for Yom Kippur by the Kohen Gadol. So whether or not you are a shul goer and whether or not you pay attention to the Parsha, this coming up week, meaning not this coming Shabbat, but in 10 days, let's say, um, is probably worth just kind of giving a quick read through of the biblical version of events, because obviously the rabbinic version is much expanded, but it's always aware of what's taking place from a biblical perspective, from a Torah perspective. So that's just, you know, one thought. And then the other thing is that the holiday itself, like as a, as a holiday in our calendar, shows up even a little bit later in Parshat Emor. Okay, so now, just clearly, when we're talking about Parak Aleph and Yerdin, I'm going to turn it over to you in a moment. Um, just the idea here is that we're talking about preparing the Kohen Gadol for this day. And the reason that's important is it's a very um, chock-filled hectic and somewhat dangerous kind of day, right? Because we know that re- theoretically anyway, the Kohen is working on behalf, the Kohen Gadol rather, is working on behalf of the whole people to do the Avodah of Yom Kippurim. But we also know that if he is not fit for the job, if the Kohen himself is not fit for the job, then the, there is an increase in the likelihood that he will perish in the Kodesh Kodeshim, meaning he is not fit to see God, he is not fit to do to represent the people, and then they would, um, basically, they would um, pull them out of the Kodesh Kodeshim with a rope. We'll come to that if we, when we come to that. Um, but the idea that, therefore, is prepare him so that things happen, you know, wax on, wax off. That people, things can, they can do, the coin can do the avoda in, a, in an instinctive manner so that he doesn't have to, like, risk messing up from a procedural kind of point of view. So for that purpose... There's an awful lot of preparation that goes into this. Um, and also we know that maybe it wasn't the case in the first temple, but in the second temple, we certainly know that not every Kohen was as righteous and holy and fit for the job as other, every other Kohen. So the preparation was, you know, presumably valuable and useful. I believe it's, you know, necessary to get, again, it's a one once a year kind of thing. They have to prepare for it. They have to know what they're doing. Right. So I think we'll, you know, start with this Mishnah. This Mishnah, you know, you don't get any sense of the Kohanim, let's say, not being as uh, careful as they used to be. But we, we will see that later on um, in the parak itself. So, you know, and it makes sense. This is sort of the singular holy day of the year. So we're going to start with sort of what needs to happen before this day actually comes. So seven days before Yom Kippur, Mafrishin Kohen Gadol Mi Beito. The Kohen Gadol sort of separated from his home. Lulishkat, uh, Par, parhedron, so into the parhedron um, chamber. Um, and again, you can probably see in many of the gemaras that you may be using, there's tends to be a, a graph or a picture which shows you 
where this actually was, um, you know, in the temple. They also would, would have ready a, you know, other coin to go underneath him. So there would basically be, you know, sort of the understudy, basically. Um, but you essentially would have two Kohanim who were sequestered for these seven days beforehand. Shama you know, in case he became um, disqualified um, in some way. Um, Rabbi Yehuda, Omer, Rabbi Yehuda says, Afisha acheret matkinim So he says, you even needed to have another wife for him. Shama tamut ishto, because let's say his wife died during this, you know, interim period of seven days. Shenamar v'chiper ba'ado ba'abeto. Because the Pasuk specifically says, and this is quoting a Pasuk here that's in Vayikra, uh, Pasuk Perak Tadzayin Pasuk Vav, chapter 16, verse 6, which says that the Kohen needs to make an atonement, a kapara for himself and for his household. Betozo ishto, meaning he has to have a household, meaning his wife, that he's going to have to make kapara for. So in other words, it's basically telling us the Kohen Gadol has to be married. Amrulo, the Chachamim say basically back to Rabbi Yehuda, in Cain, if that's the case, ain't Lidavarso. There's no end to the matter. Because in other words, the second wife could also die. In other words, the point is, yes, we should prepare ourselves for some things that could happen, right? Like the Kohen could die over the period, the Kohen Gadol could die over that period of the week. Um, but we can't, you know, start getting into, but his wife could die, and the second wife could die, and the third wife could die. Like there's ain soap to that. So we're gonna, you know, make sure to have scenarios ready um for the most common things that maybe could happen that would prevent the Kohen Gadol uh, from, uh, you know, from properly being able or being qualified to do the service. But we can't, you know, go and try to think of every single type of scenario. And that's really basically our first Mishnah. The Gemara now is very interesting. So the first thing the Gemara goes to is it jumps automatically to Paraduma. And it basically tells us that Paraduma also, the Kohen who's going to prepare the Paraduma also needs to be sequestered for sort of the seven-day period. And then what essentially follows is a very lengthy sort of Midrash Halakha attempt where the Gemara basically tries to look at different words in the Psukim between Paraduma and Yom Kippur, between the inauguration of the Mishkan uh, with Aaron and his sons and Yom Kippur and Paraduma, between Yom Kippur and other holidays to try to tease out what are the Avoda pieces. What, what, and in the end, they conclude it's only Paraduma. Um, the initial inauguration of the Mishkan and the Yom, and Yom Kippur, but really Paradu and Yom Kippur going on for generations, that those are the only things that require sort of this sequestering of seven days. And there's even a line in there where, you know, they question like, well, maybe you could have all the Mishmars do this, right? We talked about this, and I think this is just an important piece to bring up, right? The, all the Kohanim or the Kohanim who were eligible um, to do the Avodah, they were sort of divided into... Uh, 24, what we call Mishmarot, right? A Mishmar, a watch is literally what it means. Um, and then they had two weeks each year where they were responsible um, for, you know, being part of the Mishmar. And basically for the Regalim, it, you know, it sort of is like all hands were on deck at the time um, because I think they just needed a lot of extra help and things like that. Um, so, um, but that's essential, you know, essentially how they sort of, uh, divided up the, um, you know, divided up the year. Um, and so you had these Mishmarot uh, that were responsible for different periods of time um, during the year itself. And so they even asked the question, you know, maybe it should be that you could actually, uh, you know, put the, the, the Mishmar, you know, should sequester itself, but they ultimately come to the conclusion, you know, we couldn't actually do this. And I, I think when I, you know, read this passage and I mentioned this to you, Anne, 
you know, it's sort of, uh, you know, it's one of these things where I wonder the 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 halimut here, the way that they're learning out these psukim, is an example of they know what the halacha is, right? They know only paradua and only uh, Yom Kippur is it that we separate a kohen for seven days. Um, but yet they sort of want to do the work of going through the psukim to figure out, like, does it make sense and fit in with the psukim itself? And how can we prove it through the psukim itself? So I always kind of assumed from this Mishnah and from the discussion of, you know, the preparation for Yom Kippur, maybe because it's such a serious day and maybe because he's at risk for his life and so on. I always assumed that that week was, you know, a, an and the preparation and the understudy was to make sure what if God forbid he would die. So there's somebody to fill, to step up and fill his shoes. And in coming off of the heels of Psachim and, you know, and even Shkelim and also the juxtaposition to the discussion about the Paraduma, I'm thinking that maybe those seven days were also to make sure that he's Tahor, right? Meaning, I mean, it's a given, right? Of course he had to be Tahor. And perhaps that's, you know, one of the reasons to take him out of his ha- home, as opposed to like sending him home every night, right, is to, even though they appoint a wife, you know, in case, in case something would happen to his wife, right, still there's this idea of like keep him in a state of purity because, because you know, he's in the Beit HaMikdash. He's much less likely to run into any encounter with something that is impure, you know, you know, in an incidental kind of way, obviously unintentionally, but it still would mit- render him you know, incapable of doing the the avoda. Right. And I think that that's a key part here. Yes, I would agree with that. And just one thing I want to point out about this whole thing about the Mishma Road, and, you know, that there's 24 of them, we actually see this. This is mentioned for the first time in Deva Hayamim, um, Olive, Perklep, Dalit. That's the first time that we that they um, talk about this. And again, it seems to be that this was something that was done because there were sort of too many Kohanim. Um, and it's not clear that this was this this mishmar system um, was something that necessarily happened during the first temple. It may have only been during the second temple, but I think we're gonna we're gonna learn a lot more about the Kohanim and their system and how they did the avoda throughout this uh, throughout this masachet. Okay, um, Yerdina, do we want to talk any further about the rest of the daf? Meaning the red heifer story here, the paraduma bit here, I think is really interesting and worth going through. I think that it's not in our interest of time here because it kind of gets intricate. But on the other hand, I think that it is an interesting parallel. And like you say, Yordana, it's not because they couldn't figure out what to do. It's not that they needed it to figure out what to do. It's that it's a logical parallel. So let's talk about it because we know where we're going. I would agree with that. Right. It's that they knew what they know what the answer is, but they want to see how can we logically deduce it from the Torah itself. Um, And I think that's different. There are other times Midrash Halakha where you get more of a sense of, they're really learning the halacha out. Those are like the Rabbi Akiva Midrash halachas. But this one, you know, where there's like, seems very innovative. This isn't like particularly innovative. It's really going through the psukim and saying like, we're going to learn it this way because, you know, the, the two scenarios seem the same or the words seem the same. And sometimes the words don't have to seem the same, but we can learn them as parallel. So when you go through this stuff, just pay a lot of attention to. And again, that's why I couldn't figure out one particular passage to read. But I think it gives you a lot of insight into how do we deduce or how they read text very carefully? Okay. I think that's our DOF discussion for the day. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Come rank us, review us where you get your podcasts. Uh, come follow us on our Facebook page. Come join our WhatsApp group. 
we thank Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Until tomorrow, go and... <laughs> <laughs>